This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Anybody could have sneaked up the stairs, knocked on the door. When Jerome opened the door, they shot him and went right back downstairs again. At the time of the crime, you said you were performing the water tank trick. You're not really in that cube, right? Where was I last night when Jesse Jerome got it? Was I here? Right you see, what we have to remember is that Mr. Santini is a master of illusion. You could create the illusion of being somewhere while you were not. If you know what you're doing. wife's kid brother's favorite podcast about la's greatest detective this week we'll be performing some sleight of hand magic before your very eyes in order to hide the location of a camp nazi magician now joining me to wear his new coat is paul gannon hello to you also for a weird moment just then you sounded like melvin bragg and i don't know why but it tickled me Oh, that was the first year I got the spoken orchids on my back. <laughs> Don't you know? That's a very good impression. Thanks very much. <laughs> uh, if only it was Melvin Bragg doing a Columbo podcast. Could you imagine Melvin Bragg being a villain for Columbo? That would oh, be good. It'd be fucking brilliant. Yeah. I'm here to interview <laughs> Arthur Conan I mean... Doyle. <laughs> I can't possibly have murdered him. I was interviewing Michael Portello. I killed Tom Stoppard with a gun set to go off at midnight when after the performance of his latest play, Dog Shacks. I don't know. Um, During the uh, the closing credits of Spitting Image. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, but sadly, I'm not Melvin Bragg. No. A humble Bragg, even. No, oh, do you know what? Humble Bragg is better than Melvin Bragg any day That's of the right. week. I wish he could, I hope he called his son that. What? Yeah. No, good. Yeah. Um, so, I, the, the question I would ask at this point is, what got you into Columbo, Paul? 
I remember it back in the day mm. when it must have been second showing of it on ITV because I'm pretty sure like ITV showed it. And it was all the 90s ones back then. Yeah. And I think the first one I saw, funnily enough, considering what we're talking about today, mm. was Columbo Goes to the Guillotine, mm. which is a fine episode with the most ridiculous gotcha ever conceived by the show. Mm. Uh, so I think I fell in love with it from then. But then, like most people, because I've heard the other episodes, everyone tends to fall in love with it again during lockdown. Yes. And I can see why, because it is the richest of... It is the sausage and mash and gravy of TV. Mm. It is just comfort food. Yeah. Absolutely right. And and, and you've, you've chosen an episode which is possibly one of the most comforting, I think. This is why I picked it, because the one mm. I wanted to do is... For, it's kind of an unusual episode in because that it's drier and it's darker, it's more action-packed, and it's not really, it doesn't really have the signifiers you want from a Columbo by and large. So I went with something that I think, when I step back, might be my favourite in terms of just, I can put this on any time and watch it, and if it's on TV at any time, no matter what place it's in in the show, I'll sit down and watch it to the end. I just find it a really rewarding episode of Columbo. It's, the, it's like the one that you show to people who want to get into it. You go, this is probably the best one to yeah. prove it point. It's also one of the, um, you know that, I've forgotten temporarily what it's called, but that little cliff in America with the president's heads on it. Uh, Mount Rushmore. Mount Rushmore, thank you. This is like the Mount Rushmore of Columbus because you've got, you've got Culp's head on there. Yes. Cassidy and yes. McGowan. Yes. And you've picked one of the three Columbo Mount Rushmores. I mean, if you're going to put a fourth one on, hmm. Mike Lally. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> he's been as many. You may as well have him on there as well. Yeah, yeah. Well, he's in this one, isn't he? He is in this mm. one. Ah. It's very, very bizarre. I can't wait to get that. But this begins with... And apparently they filmed this at the Magic Castle. No, they didn't. Oh, they, they built didn't. The whole, no, they built the whole thing on set because at this point in the show, hmm. the Universal NBC were cracking down on the budget and trying oh. to do everything cheaper and, and keep Peter Falk happy at the same time. Right. So they made all these trade-offs because the episode before this was the one in Mexico and mm. that went disgustingly over budget. Mm. So they went, right, everything's being built on a set for this one. But... They did build it pretty well. Hmm. I, what I like is in you know, that first shot where you see the sign of yes. the Cabaret of Magic. There's something about 70s fonts that no matter what the business is, it's still going to look like a sex shop. Yes. So when you see that, you just think, oh, but there's some right sexy knobbing going on in there. <laughs> <laughs> He's standing outside an undertaker's. Yeah. Just reach into my hat, darling, and I'll pull out a sticky white trick. Well... <laughs> There is a bit of that. There is a bit of that with his, with his table manager. We'll get there because yeah. the great Santini played by the wonderful Jack Cassidy. And I think within about eight months of this episode, he was dead. He was dead. He went the way of uh, Vivian Stanshaw, didn't he? He did. Falling asleep with a cigarette and setting fire to his house. Oh, and he was found near the front door, so he nearly made it. Oh, mm. it's, it is tragic. And yeah. it, but I think if I'm glad you went out with this episode because, oh. you know, it's it's a it's a it's a beautiful one to enjoy. I think this might be my favourite Cassidy performance. You know what? People always put it at the bottom because mm. I think they prefer his slightly more bastardry mm. uh, behaviour in the first two. Yeah, I mean, I can see why, but I think he's so he's just so sly and knowing and conniving in this one. It just I just enjoy it more. Do you know what I think about this episode as well and his performance is that he goes from having. A shit-eating grin mm. to an eat-shit grin, <laughs> and he does it really, really well because, <laughs> yeah. like, it just with a, with a turn of an eyebrow or a, a, a crease of the lip, he can go from "I've got you in my hand" to "Ah, fuck off, Colombo." Yeah, <laughs> I love yeah. that. And it's also got that hidden subtext that you can tell that him and Falk got on. Yes, there is chemistry too well. Yeah, 
Yeah, I'm, I'd love to. I'd ideally love to have gone out on a night with Falk and his mates. Oh God, yeah. Did you hear about you know the episode playback that had that German actor in? Yeah, I can't remember his name right now. The one with but the he was a hair. Ma- yeah. yeah, he he was a massive, 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 massive pisshead, mm. and turned and no one wanted to work with him because of his alcoholism, mm. and so he turned up on set drunk on the first day of his Columbo episode. There was a big fallout, and then the producer in that shooting Columbo book went, "Yeah, so I told him off." The next day was fine, and then we all went for a piss up at Jack Cassidy's, <laughs> and I think, yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah, yeah, that, that's the way to do it. Yeah, join them, <laughs> join them on the wagon, join them off the wagon. Why not? If you can't beat them, drink with them to the death. Yeah. Drink them to death. I believe. I think it's Danny Baker's credo. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we see him loading a pistol mm. and hiding some equipment under a rather fetching statue of like a, a a magic goblin man. Yes, one of those kind of statues. This is what I love about this episode as mm. well. It's it's built like a magic trick as well. Yeah. It, it's like it's ornate. There are little puzzle box areas all over the place. There are little clues and. It uses the magic kind of language and props to to you know tell an effective murder mystery. Mm. Yeah. Um, so we then hear about Mister Jerome. Uh, oh yeah, he's the owner of the cabaret cabaret of magic club. We're called. Mm. Um, we a fellow called George pops down to speak to um, Santini, Jack Cassidy, and says that Jerome wants to see him. And then he says, because, uh, you know, you hear about people being nice to their, you know, the staff and everything. He says, you know what, George? One night you and I should go out for a couple of jars. <laughs> he goes, oh, yeah, that would be great, Mr. Santini. And he goes, yeah, you betcha. And then he goes to see Jerome. Now, Jerome is the sweatiest man that's ever lived, I believe, in the Guinness yeah. Book of Records. <laughs> Even though it becomes a plot point later, when yeah. you first see it, you do, you do think, is he going to die on yeah. set? Is it? <laughs> Have they just not realised this guy is three minutes away from a stroke or yeah. something? He's literally having a heart attack, but powering through it just to get the, set done, the scene done. <laughs> yeah, this is my first acting job in seven years, and I can't die today. <laughs> it's like he's so sweaty, he belongs on the set of Top Gun. <laughs> Everybody looks like this. Yeah, but he won't be kicking a bloody beach ball around, will he, with Tom Cruise on the beach? <laughs> I'd love That's to see happening. that, though. Playing, playing with, though, he's dead. Oh, he's just having a... Oh, no, he is dead, yeah. Oh, no, someone's come along the beach to put dynamite in him because they can't push him out to sea. <laughs> a small child's built a, a mermaid's legs at the bottom of them. <laughs> mermaid's legs, tail. Uh, yeah. Yeah, but he goes right in. Because this is Columbo, and basically the, the purpose of the victim in Columbo is to say, will you please murder me? Yeah. He goes, he goes, ah, I've been taking loads of money off you and it's great. And if you don't, and then um, Santini's like, well, maybe you shouldn't take so much. He's like, ah, well, I'll tell everybody that you're a secret Nazi. And that's usually a good way to end the conversation, isn't it? (laughs) (laughs) Your real name's Stefan Muller. Yeah, and that's what people forget about this episode, considering Mm. how relatively frothy it is. It does have a really dark heart to it, where Mm. you've got this guy who had a history with the Nazis back in his youth, Mm. uh, who's moved on and, you know, become the great Santini. But then you've got the guy who, in many of the books I've read, allege that this character is a Jewish character. And so, therefore, is he doing this out of some kind of revenge against what happened in the Second World War, or is it him exploiting mm. his knowledge and getting one over? So it does have this really dark kind of core to this episode. Also, also, you could say that in the old days he was following orders, and his act follows hors d'oeuvres. 
<laughs> you know what? Stop this episode now because that is generally the best we're going to get today. <laughs> but yeah, he—I mean, he was young. He didn't know what he was doing. He was just looking. He was just working in a Nazi concentration camp. Yeah, you know, we all do it. We yeah. all have that gap year, don't yeah. we? Where we work in a concentration camp. Yeah, yeah. It's a kaputz. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the worst kaputz on, on Yelp. Uh, um, so he says, oh, not only that, I'm going to send a letter to the Department of Immigration if you don't stop paying me. And then Santin's like, ah, blow it out your ear. So, yeah. And so he goes down to see his daughter, who's a, a canoodling and snogging with a, a singer called, um, was it George? I think it was George, yes. Mm. Uh, Mr. I can't remember now. Snogging with a singer. And, and he's not, he doesn't approve of it, really. And she says that she's going to continue seeing him. No, but also as well, I like that phrase where he goes, if I wanted to watch your ritualistic dating or whatever it was. And mm-hmm. I was like, is, is his dad just want to, does, does he just want to watch his girlfriend canoodle so he can check every moment and status in their relationship? It's like, well, if you're not going to be serious, I am going to need to see full penetration. <laughs> you know, now you see it, now you don't. Now yeah. you see it, now you don't. <laughs> Ironically, I want to see how it's done. Yeah, I want to see how the trick works. I want you to get in the magic circle. <laughs> and pull out your wand. <laughs> and get busy. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's how the Wizbit was pitched to BBC. That's how he was created. Oh, God, with some dark magic with Paul Daniels wanking in a hat. <laughs> Paul or Daniels something. and Ali Bongo Spunk mixed up <laughs> with a lava lamp. <laughs> yeah, oh, God. <laughs> Um, so then he goes to do his act. Now I really like that when as soon as Santini walks out, you get the drum thing. I want that to play every time I eat a plate of chips. The weird thing is that it's kind of like that whole magic show is completely scored by the snare drum, and it makes the whole thing sound like a seventies strip club. When he came out and the drum comes on, he's not taking his glove off. I go, is he going to go full Chippendale here? And Jack Casty's going to just go topless on the little song, flopping his knob on a woman's shoulder. Yeah, the way he goes from table to table is mm. like one of those 70s pub strippers where they would go mm. around with a pint glass and shake it and go, right, if I get enough money, I'll take my tits out. <laughs> <laughs> well, he does more than that. He does actual magic. He does. And you know what? One of the complaints of this episode is that all of his magic is shit. <laughs> and it is. Mm. But he was taught by... What's the name of the guy? Mark Wilson, yeah. who was a very, very, very famous magician. And apparently uh, he came in for a day or two to work with Jack Casty to teach him basic prestidigitation <laughs> for the sake of the show. And so that's why the tricks are all like, you know, the Paul Daniels magic set of yeah, tricks. I enjoyed because them. They're fine. Because yeah. back, back in the 70s, that's what was magic. It was largely yeah. hankies and birds coming out of your armpits. I mean, what would it be now? Him sitting in a big box above, above the room, shitting in a pipe? Yes, that would be that. that if, again, if they're going to do a Columbo now, yeah, mm. and they ha- they would have to have some kind of David Blaine type, and mm. he does a, he does a murder even though he hadn't left his box. You know what? Put a pencil in that. That might be my answer for later. Oh, he hadn't left his body, and his skeleton did it. Yeah, yeah, that's a good one. Um, the buildup of calcium on the body was a sure giveaway. There were skeletal footprints uh, all the way up the stairs. Yeah, and the episode's called "No Bones About It." That's very good. Yeah, Thank you. Save that for later. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so he does his magic and um, everything's great. And then he says he's going to do the world famous water tank illusion act. Now, you have to come up with a better name than that. 
Yeah, because like Houdini had like what was it? I don't know the the Devil's Box, or they yeah, had all these yeah. dramatic names yeah. for them. Often back then, they were usually quite racist names because they mm. always built on the mystery of the other, didn't they? So it was all like yeah. the Chinese water torture trick, the mystery of the Orient. Yeah, yeah, which sounds like a takeaway. <laughs> Does, or yeah. the the new um, uh, Kenneth Branagh Pryro movie? Mm. Yeah. Oh, I thought you were gonna. Yeah. The no, mis- there's nothing the, up to no, that. No, no, fair enough. Yeah, yeah, yeah no, fuck no. it. But I'd have called it something like Lucifer's Pond. Yeah, or Davy Jones's Locker. Oh, even better. Also, you know, just something water-based. Yeah. Or, or uh, magical, like uh, Poseidon's Tomb. Oh, yeah, even better. Yeah, but the yeah. trick is he's going to get in a, a locked metal cube and then be put in the water tank, for people who haven't seen this. Mm. Why are you listening? Um, and he's got 9 minutes and 12 seconds of oxygen in there. And I don't get the point of the trick. Is no. it for him to escape? Or just to be in there for nine minutes and twenty seconds. Well, this is for they... me why the trick doesn't make any sense. Because what happens eventually is that they lift the box out. His assistant is in there, so his daughter, mm. and then he is standing as one of the masked people at the side of the stage. So it's clear he was never in the box. So therefore, it doesn't make any sense. Yeah, it's one of those tricks where once you reveal the end, I think the mm. audience will go, "Oh, he was never in it." Yeah. And that kind of ruins it. Yeah. But for the sake of the plot, it is a really good alibi for mm. him to be chained up in a box surrounded by water. Yeah. Well, even better than that, because he he goes downstairs. He goes to the trapdoor of the stage, just to let you know how the trick was done. Mm. And he goes to his room. Meanwhile, Jerome's up in his office typing a bloody letter to the immigration people. Oh, no. He's, he kept his word because he didn't get his money before yeah. the show. Just terrible. Terrible. Yeah. And so, he's very sweaty still there. Still so, sweating. And, and so sweaty. If I was him, I'd speak to the, the other fella um, and just say, could could we have the heating down a bit in my office? Just a bit, yeah. I am literally sweating buckets. But the guy was probably saying, well, maybe you should eat you know, fewer burritos in the week. Maybe oh, that's I, another factor you could I take love in. burritos. So could you just turn the heating off altogether? Fine. Fatty wants the heating <laughs> turned down. Sorry, what did you say? Nothing, it's all right. I'm just oh. passing it on to the guy to Robert Loggia downstairs. I was eating a burrito. Sorry, I wasn't listening. <laughs> uh, yeah, so Santini, he goes through the trapdoor and we, he gets his stuff that he buried earlier. And then he puts on a wig and a false moustache. I love it when someone who's already got a moustache puts on a false moustache. <laughs> you know what, though? Yeah, go on. What I love about this is, like, yeah. one, of, one of these tropes of Columbo is, like, you know, they're in disguise through the murder. Like, you know, he dressed mm. up as the ice cream man for mm. that one, mm. uh, with Robert Court one. Yeah. And, like, it works with Jack Cassidy because, you know, his mate, his, his his whole thing works. But the problem is, in the episode Strange Bedfellows with George Wendt, there's a scene where he has to go and dress up, and he puts a beard on, and you think, no, that's still George Wendt. I still, that's very obviously George Wendt. Yeah. He's just got a really shit beard. Or at least Jack Cassidy has the costume, the wig, the mm. thing. It's like, it's a whole thing. Yeah. Yeah, and it's and again, like with the Culp thing, like with, with the, the reason it works is he dressed up as an ice cream man because they're all standing for the national anthem. Here, they're all watching a magic trick and he goes in a kitchen that's full of people dressed like him. Yeah, so great disguise. Yeah. yeah. So he dressed up as a waiter, goes through the kitchen and then he stops on the stairs to have a cigar because every night a guy called Thackeray brings him a brandy. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Which is, again, a nice little slice of the alibi. It's it's mm. a great little detail that mm. builds towards what would be the perfect crime. And not only did he say thanks for the brandy, which, you know, you could have said, oh, that could have been a tape recording. He actually mm. then says to Thackeray, do you want to do another mind game? Think I'm thinking of a number between one and four. 
Yeah, and I love this trick because, mm. it, it, I, you know what, even though they kind of build too much of this story on this one little trick, yeah. it is the one that every uncle knows when oh. you go around. It is it, it, like half of these tricks. I'm surprised like Santini at one point doesn't go, and now I will move the tip of my thumb from the rest of my hand yeah. and slide it across my forefinger. <laughs> now I have got your nose. <laughs> the great Santini's world-famous nose-grabbing illusion. Uh, uh, now I will put this ladle behind a tea towel. <laughs> Rest it upon my lap for the dancing erection waltz. <laughs> and then there's just the drama. You know what? Oh, I, I'm in for this. Yeah, I would definitely watch that. <laughs> I want Penn and Taylor to do that. And then explain how they did it. Well, in this case, we actually have erections. <laughs> and we're, we're just bouncing them below the cloth. Now, we're going to do this trick again, but with a see-through hanky. So you can see our gorge bellends dancing <laughs> to the snare drum. What Teller has done is he's put, put pornographic magazines over our eyes with contact <laughs> lenses. So we're actually looking at fannies. <laughs> Oh, the size of that clunge. It makes the trick infallible. <laughs> this is why, my friend, we were thrown out of the magic circle. <laughs> Which is a pub, by the way. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the East End. <laughs> so, yeah, one and four. He says four. He says, ah, well, pick up that skull. He picks it up. Underneath it says, I knew you were thinking of number four. And he's like, ah, Mr. Santini, you're so amazing and clever. And then he goes, yeah, see you later. And then the waiter leaves. And then he goes back. He goes, carries on up the stairs. And, and, yeah. and, and what we found out earlier is that Jerome has had a new lock fitted because Santini keeps breaking into his office. Oh, yeah, because he's nicking stuff. Yeah. You know, he's a bit of a Nazi like that. <laughs> a bit of a stickler, yeah. <laughs> and, and so while Jerome's at his desk sweating like fuck, he must have to come out of there every night in a canoe. Um, yeah, he just canoes out paddles. And it's like the scene from The Shining with the lift doors yeah. open. It's like, ding, just splosh, show the boss is out. Um, Santini picks the lock. But he can uh, Jerome can hear this noise, so he goes to have a look. Santini's down there and just, bang, shoots him dead. Dead. One shot oh. in the heart. And then he retrieves the letter. And throws the gun and the cloth that he was hiding the the gun under on mm. the floor and leaves. And then da 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 that magic trick. By the way, his daughter, who's his assistant, she's had to fill in for nine minutes. Again, with lots of hanky and bird tricks. Yeah. They must go for a lot of birds. No wonder Petter got involved with all these magic shows in the 70s. Yeah. When you've got, like, guys with, like, half a dozen doves in their pants. Just, <laughs> seriously, love, I'm a fucking magician. Seriously, I know it sounds like I'm having an erotic moment with these doves in my kecks, but I assure you, when I go to children's parties, <laughs> it goes down like a treat. Yeah, you probably shouldn't have said that. Officer. <laughs> Do you think any of the doves accidentally flew up anyone's anus? Very likely. Yeah, I, mean, I look, that. The odds are, the odds are, at one point, during a magic show, hmm. someone's getting a dove in the anus. Yeah. <laughs> <It's> just... <laughs> but they're so professional, they don't show it on the surface. No, they don't, because, you know, you've got to have your poker face. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Inside, they're thinking, oh, my God, there is a dove in my internal organs. Meanwhile, the dove's going, I've, I don't know where I am. I need mm. my mum. <laughs> Please making, help me. When you, you sometimes get a pigeon accidentally fly down your chimney, it's like that, but up your aris. 
<laughs> just flapping around. Anyway, that doesn't happen because uh, the, they they finish the trick. The water tank comes out of. I'm mean, sorry. The box comes out of the water tank. They open it, and it isn't Santini. As I mentioned earlier, it's his daughter. And one of the assistants, who's wearing like an executioner's mask, pulls it off, and it's Santini. And everyone's whoa! Oh, what a wonderful trick! Yeah, it's not though, is it? It's it's all right. As I say, it's just one of those weird tricks where it's like, what what's the conceit here that he escapes, yeah. or that he he's it, the whole trick is leading to the idea that he dies in the box. I w- it would be more impressive if it wasn't for nine minutes long. I think. Yeah, and where do you find the nine minute and twenty second bloody egg timer from? Because that's a very specific amount of sand to put in it. You'd have to go and get one made from a sand maker. <laughs> sand maker you go to a, like a hollow tree in the woods and there's a guy there with a glass blowing a kind of machine yeah. yeah he's like ah I see you've come yes I've come for a 9 minute and 20 second egg timer ah my speciality ah it's another fucking magician is it yeah, back yeah. in my day it was like 3 minutes for eggs <laughs> alright just enough of that just make the fucking egg timer oh, I don't get much work <laughs> I imagine he looks exactly like the man who works in the magic shop because <laughs> yeah. he looks like a goblin he's a uh, yeah we'll get to him we'll get to him yeah yeah oh and also while he was in Jerome's office getting the letter he made a call down to the kitchen and said bring me a coffee yeah bring me a coffee yeah so while he's on stage he's taking all the applause in from his amazing amazing magic act uh, meanwhile Robert Loggia gets a word from Thackeray that Jerome has been shot dead yeah, and weirdly, he looks like pissed off when he hears the news. Not like shocked. It's yeah. like he gives a, a, a kind of, oh, fuck it hell. It's because he's so sweaty. Yeah, it's like, going to start coming through the ceiling in a minute. Are you sure he's dead? <laughs> he's not just resting. <laughs> the other day, I went in to collect the tray after he'd had his four tacos and burritos. <laughs> yeah. And he was lying on the floor because he was so sort of full. Yeah, but yeah. this time it is different. He has got a hole in his in his chest. So yeah, yeah I think he's dead. Yeah. Or the burrito tried to escape for a very narrow outlet. Or he was he looked too close into an alien egg, and a face a hugger tiny, went on his tiny, face. Yeah, and then a tiny wee alien came out. Yeah, and and ran out of the room. Nah. Then sang, "Hello, my darling. Yeah. Hello, my baby. Hello, my ragtime gal." That's the one. Uh, so then Columbo arrives. Yay! Yay, uh, Columbo. But he's wearing a different coat. Which is is funny. I know, mm. like, at this part of Columbo's history, they were doing a few gimmicky things to kind of keep the formula alive. Yeah. But when you see the whole coat gag, it mm. really does serve the plot, though, because there yeah. are certain moments where you think that if he had his own coat on, he probably would have aced this murder mystery a lot quicker. Mm. But this coat's holding him back in yes. some respect. And it's only when he, ch- he gets rid of it once and for all that he leaps into action, really. Yeah, when he puts <laughs> on his old Mac and he races out, and then you go, ah, things are happening now. Things are happening. As it up until then, though, he looks like pipes from Ghostwatch. He does in that coat. <laughs> he does, yeah, and he's been constantly being followed around by Craig Charles, <laughs> which is the worst part about Terrible. it. Um, apparently, the original Columbo Mac is actually Peter Falk's coat. Yes, mm. there are some discrepancies about that. Mm. In that, some people say that yes, it was at the start, but by this time in the show, they just got another one. Mm. But you know, I think he likes to when he was talking about Columbo. I think he liked to like you know add to the mythology of it all by saying this is the first code I got back in the day, and I had a water every single episode since because it added to the character, it added to like the mystique of everything and his and his importance in the role. Mm. 
Right, no, it works. Mm. It works. So the the new coat's a gift from his wife. You right. think she'd know better, unless she's just Weird. fucking with him. Yeah, it's it's probably because she's she's up in um, she's up in Star Trek on in space, isn't she? So she's probably oh, not God, keeping yeah. up with trends. And, and and twenty years younger than Fog as well. <laughs> At this point, she's nine. <laughs> she would have had to have been. Yeah. When you think about the timeline of yeah, it. Yeah. <laughs> My nine-year-old wife, Barbara, gets cold. I, 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 I don't like she it. solved the murder because her Duplo bricks reminded me of the Hole in the Wall gang. <laughs> the glory Hole in the Wall gang. <laughs> My wife, big fan of Thundercats. So, um, so he he gets to the scene and we meet. Well, I love this guy. Sergeant Wilson. Yes. Not from Dad's Army. <laughs> um, that would be much better. Are you sure that's why he's detective? Um, yeah, well, well, I love Wilson because he has the occasional like. But Bruce Kirby's another one he bumps into a lot as another policeman, isn't he? And yeah, I mean the guy who played it is it Bob Dishy? Something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's yeah. an old friend of Columbo and was there mm. for his his other marriage. And um, he, this is a second and only appearance after this. So he mm. didn't do any more, which is strange considering how many other actors they did bring back. Yeah. Um, but this, it's like you'd think this kind of character would be annoying. And in the greenhouse jungle, he kind of is. But yeah. in this one, there's, there's, it's just a more pleasant characterization. It's like he's still, you know, a bit of an idiot, but he trusts Columbo this time. So he goes along with the theories as opposed to fights them. Well, Santini nails it later on because he he just calls him Watson. In this, he yeah. feels like Doctor Watson. Yeah, and that little look he gives as well, where it's like. <laughs> Oh. Where he kind of runs through the references like, Watson, Sherlock Holmes, that fat idiot played by that guy oh. in the films. Oh, oh bollocks. Uh, I love him, though. He's also in, um, there's this film, I don't know if you've seen, called The Big Bus. Uh, yes. Yeah, that, the, the the spoof disaster movie thing. On the yeah. Bus. It's like yeah. jumping on the coattails of Airplane. But um, there's a bit where there's a guy playing the piano. And he sings mm. songs about what people are talking about. And uh, this the guy playing Wilson is a guy who's got, I think he's the guy who is a, yeah, he's a vet who was struck off. Okay. Uh, and the, the piano player just starts singing Hey Doggy Doctor, which is always fun. Why did those veterinarians disbar me? Why did they take away my dog and cat husk? Why? Because. Because I was ahead of my time. That's why. I was the only one who had the courage to put an IUD in a rabbit. Hey, doggy doctor, that's his beat. Yeah, four-legged friends, he likes to treat. And the fishes and squirrels think he's all read, doggy doctor. Yeah. It wasn't my fault. I'm sure it wasn't, sir. Bow wow. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, how to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com achieve today. 
Uh, <laughs> but no, I love him. I love him in this. And um, everybody's just like, oh, this is really bad. But Columbo's immediately like, hey, why is this guy such a, got such a sweaty, wet back? <laughs> well, because he's fat, sir. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, case closed. Case closed. So, um, yeah. Uh, and also, um, uh, no money had been taken. So it's not a robbery. It's not. It's not. It can't be a crime of passion either when you think no, about it. No, unless, no. Unless he got rigorously bummed, which is why he's so sweaty. <laughs> yeah, but then the sweat patch would be on the front because he would be on the on the table face down, wouldn't he? Has anyone so noticed would... these handprints on his back? <laughs> he got these handprints on his shoulders and a wet belly from the sweat lying across his desk. And look, the Vaseline. It's 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 been spoiled. It's completely empty. And I happen to know this was full yesterday. <laughs> um and also he then runs through how the position of the corpse because it doesn't make sense he was like he was shot answering the door then he'd be right by the door wouldn't he he wouldn't be all the way back here you know what i i will like about a lot of episodes in columbo's past mm. or, and in the future certainly the 90s stuff just kind of coaxed by on presumptions and and and, and you know lucky guesses mm. this one you you see the process the murder yeah. is so well thought out that the solving of the case as a result, has to be well thought out too. Mm. So him running through the whole door thing is is great. It shows that the writer really knows what he's doing. Also, the writer, mm. what, uh, bloody um, what's his name, Michael Sloan, mm. right? British guy, young, came mm. over to LA and he said he'd written a, a Columbo script just for a laugh. And then while he was in LA visiting friends, he got one of them who was an agent to just send the script. And because the show was struggling to find good scripts, they went, "All right, we'll just do this." And so he got, wow. he just he just went, oh, here's my script. And so he worked with the producers and the story editors and they added Dishy in and things like that. Mm. And um, yeah, goes on to create The Equalizer, doesn't he, Michael Sloan? Yeah. Yeah. Which again, very similar is about a British guy who goes to America and solves crimes. Yeah. And Except, he's, you know, uh, mm. it, it, it's more of like if, if it, it if a guy who worked for the Dole office went to America to solve crime, because I, I know he's meant to be like, what is he, XMI5 or whatever. Like that, yeah. Something like that. But he's just a grumpy fucking prick. Yeah, <laughs> just with a jag. Yeah. Yeah, and his son's Johnny from The Karate Kid. Is it? Yeah. In the Bloody show. I mean. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, I've yeah. not seen Equalizer in a very long while because it gives me the wibbles. There's something about the music to it that mm. kind of puts me back in that. I don't know. We're not. It's not. An, this is not an equalizer pod. No, it's not. This is an equal pod. Give it two years. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Next lockdown. When yeah. the, when we all get the um, Last of Us fungal infections, and we can never leave the house. It's like there's been another lockdown. I tell you, got another idea for a podcast. What about Diagnosis Murder Pod? <laughs> I would do that. Actually, it's quite fun. Dick Van Pod. Hey, you know what? This is all right. Well, that works because there's two Dick Van Dykes in it. That, there's there's too many Dick Van Dykes in mm. Diagnosis Murder. Actually, there's only one Dick Van Dyke. Oh, no, I'm just thinking of Van Dykes in general. Yeah, yeah. Barry. Sorry, scratch that from the record, please. <laughs> please. Uh, and then he's also he's saying um, he, he he wasn't surprised by the... He, he was surprised by an intruder, maybe, because he was shot in the front. And then he looks at the door lock, and he's like, I want this lock looked at. And then um, Wilson's like, well, that's a new lock that's just been put in. And he's like, well, I want it down the lab. And then he's about to leave... When he's like, we get the first detective. You forgot your coat. That this bit sounds improvised because mm. it sounds like 
this is a bit of business they just made up at the end of that scene because the way like Peter Falk shouts does sound like he's just shouting offset as yeah. Peter Falk, yeah. which I kind of like. Yeah. And the way they make it work is good because like I think like despite the scripts being you know mostly there on the page on the screen, I do believe like it's the tops and tails that Falk like to fuck about with, mm. like the classic shoes, like the classic shoes. Mm. At no point did someone turn around to Falk and went, mate, that's shit. But at that point, you just couldn't tell him what to do. Tell me, Sean, you're like looking at my naked body. Hey, I really like tuba. Can we fit in a three-minute tuba fucking track in this murder <laughs> <laughs> mystery that has nothing to do with the case? I was reading today about a man who had to go to the hospital because he's had his penis stuck in a hoover. Maybe that would make a good scene. Yeah, it's uh, the the alibi is Henry Hoover. <laughs> he wouldn't speak. <laughs> the guy later on who used to be in the high wire act who's in the apartment with the door open. Maybe he could have his dick in a Hoover. Maybe that would be. That'd be <laughs> You've good. pitched that seventeen times now. <laughs> I just, Peter I just, Falk. I just think it would be good. Before we get to the Ed McBain, penis in <laughs> a Hoover. Um, so. Look, look, look. Let him write it, let him film it, and they'll just keep it in the archive until after he's dead and release it on the Blu-ray special edition. I think we actually do my own porn parody. I should be called Peter Fuck. <laughs> Columbone. Yeah. <laughs> or come on bum. Come on bum. Come on bum. Come on bone. Come on bum. It's even better. Come bumbo. <laughs> <laughs> Did you hear him? I, mean, I wonder if there has been a porn parody of Columbo. Oh, there must, must have, have right? Must have been. Because all you Just need one... is the coat. Yeah, exactly. Just one more inch. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Did you hear him come? Did you count them? Um, <laughs> so then Columbo's wandering about by the stage, and Santini's like, oh, uh, I'd rather you didn't go back there. It's full of secrets. And then Columbo goes, ah, you know, I, I'm Lieutenant Columbo. And then he just basically does that. Santini does the first, the thing um, where Columbo realizes the person has done it immediately mm. by going, oh, well, I believe it all happened while I was in the box. And he's like, well, it's a bit presumptuous that you've come out with that. <laughs> it, it's, it's like if you came home from cheating on your spouse, mm. <laughs> you know, with like. Lipstick is like, oh, I fell into a horde of girls at the bus stop. <laughs> I, I mean, I didn't ask. Oh, and, and and the reason why my penis smells of ladies' genitals <laughs> is just because I bought this new cologne called uh, Fem Splash, oh. and it's it's a it's 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 a aphrodisiac, and I thought I'd use it on you, my love. Oh, and, how uh, And don't check the number of condoms I usually have in my wallet. There's one missing, but don't worry about that. I just dropped it down the drain. Well, um, uh, oh, I just fucked a prosy love. I'm sorry. <laughs> and then it says written by in yellow writing. <laughs> Peter Falk. <Yeah. laughs> That's the one they let him do. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then he says, oh, well, I promise to help you with any inquiries you have, Lieutenant. I'm your obedient servant. Mm. But he says, I will stop short. I, I, I won't tell you how I do my illusions, of course. Because that's the interesting thing, isn't it? It's the mm. it's the magic trick paradox, which mm. is again a good idea to hide a crime. Because the trouble with a magic trick is, if it's really really good, you want to protect it, which means you don't tell people how it's done. But back in the day, back in like the late eighteen hundreds, uh, 
they would send spies to the theatres to mm. see how those tricks were done. So the only way you could protect yourself and protect it was to patent the magic trick. But then that means everyone would know how it was done instantly. Yeah. So, like, you know, that's why magicians, quite rightly, are touchy over their tricks. Mm. Yeah. I mean, I mean, he needn't be because his is rubbish. I mean, that's shit. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> it, 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 I do love the fact that Columbo can solve a really ingenious crime, but is genuinely amazed by him pulling a blanket or some pack of cards out of his pocket and things like that. Yeah. It's, it's adorable to see him react, I think, with true sincerity to the magic tricks. I think that's that's the case in people, because I used to know someone who was a scientist and they were genuinely thick as shit, but they were a proper scientist. Yeah, it's yeah. funny where the, that other twenty percent of the brain gets sent to when uh, the rest of it's like solving crime or being a scientist. Yeah, it's it's really bizarre. Um, so then we cut to the lab, and I love what I love about this is this is the lab, right? So the, yeah. the set dresser's gone. Well, we 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 need test tubes with loads of like bubbling going on in them. Like, <laughs> why does he need that in a police lab? I think there's just a generic science forensics lab mm. on the universal lot. It must be. That they just all go to. It's like, ah, just put some fucking jars in. Yeah. Right. Is there a, is there a, is there a McLeod episode? We need this forensics lab. Wheel it over and it just comes on a little trolley. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, I think it's exactly what it was. But we find out that the lock has been picked. Which is good. Yeah. and that, you know, the, mm. it's important plot points. Very important. <laughs> also, the gun that was left at the scene, completely untraceable. Mm. And there's no fingerprints. So we got fuck all, forensically. An unusual gun, because the, the uh, Columbo tended to use a very, the same gun for most of the murders, the one you see in, like, football for framing. Mm. Uh, but this is a different gun, which is a little nerdy fact. I don't know why I brought that up. I, I kind of wish I hadn't. I enjoyed that. No, uh, you didn't. Don't lie to me. No, I did. Don't, you don't, don't lie to me about this. You, know my, you can be straight mm, with me. My favourite Columbo gun, you know what it is? Go on. It's the um oh shit I forgot the, the it's the culp one where he put you know these advertising. Oh yes 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 yes. Where yes. he changes with the, the caliber the barrel yeah. Mm. I think that's clever. It is a clever gun. Mm. Well done. Or, or the gun from Who Framed Roger Rabbit that's got the talking bullets. Now that would be annoying. They, I mean, they would be if if Columbo was solving Who Framed Roger Rabbit's case. Yeah. <laughs> he'd just be grilling the bullets yeah. and following Judge Doom around for eighty percent of that movie. <sighs> I think we talked about that the last time we did a podcast. I know, it always comes up because Roger Rabbit's a a, a stone-cold classic. It's true. So then Columbo goes back to the cabaret to watch Santini practising his his magic. Now, we get a lovely close-up shot of someone else's hand doing all the cards, which I enjoy. Yes. It it probably was that Mark Wilson guy, Mm. if I had to take a bet. But, like, it's it's a weird moment Mm. to just kind of see him... Sitting there, Columbo watches from a side while he does handwork on stage and then makes a pack of cards stack. It's kind of a lot of shit. To, it's, it's a load of shit magic to practice really on stage shit. alone. And he yeah. almost knocks them over. If, when he takes the cloth off, you see one fall over a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Which is fun. But it's like, this is take 17 already because of folk, so let's just keep this one in. Well, because we also find out that to do magic, you need big hands. Because mm. folk's like, I can't do it, I've got little hands. But, you know, if you see the size of my knob. <laughs> um, yeah, but in, in, in another person's hands, it's probably a lot bigger. Yeah, that's right. My wife, she's got tinier hands. She's nine. <laughs> she's spoiled for. She's spoiled rotten. I tell you. Ah, <laughs> uh, she's up there now in space. <laughs> probably dreaming of my penis. Somewhere in the Delta Quadrant, <laughs> hope, uh, holding out hopes you'll come home. Benjamin Shishko, uh, he's got nothing on me. <laughs> Um, yeah, so he, he then so he's, he's trying to. He, he goes, look, Mister Santini, 
I need to know where you were. I can't tell my boss. He'll kill me. So you were in a box in water while this man was murdered. He goes, you, you weren't really in that cube, right? And then he says, uh, you want me to give away the secret of my illusion? I, my dear friend, I'd rather confess to a murder than do that. There are little lines all the way through oh. that kind of make it seem like he... He either wants to get caught or he wants to kind of rub it in people's faces that he's about to get away with it. Yeah. Like when he says earlier in the episode, he says something like, you know, don't go back there or you'll expose my secrets to the world, which mm. kind of also says a lot about his history and his past maybe as well. Yeah. 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 He's he's a man that would constantly not let you use his laptop. <laughs> his wife would be he was like, let me just check your Instagram messages. No, no, oh, no, no, no. The, the, the app's bro- broken. Uh, I think you can find that website I was looking for in your history. No, I'll do it. I'll do it. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Who was that phone call just then that you didn't answer? (laughs) It was (laughs) Scooby-Doo. He was asking for some help on a particularly creepy uh, submariner murderer. You do know Scooby-Doo is not real. I'm not. A, I'm not in position to tell you if that's true or not. <laughs> it's a code name for a, for a MI5 spy, Edward Woodward, from the Edward Equalizer. Edward Woodward, Scooby-Doo. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I, have no, I have nothing else to add to that. But no. The idea of Edward Woodward playing Scooby-Doo in a live-action movie it's brilliant. does tickle. Just, just tickle me. Somewhat. No makeup whatsoever. No. He's just, he's just acting. There's, there's, the, everyone's dressed as the cartoon, but he's just Edward Woodward. <laughs> he's just him. He's just him in that. You know that Bin Man show he did. It's just, yeah. yeah, just like that with that leather back yeah. jacket on. <laughs> oh, I'm scared, Scoob. Yeah, well, there's really no need to be shaggy. It's probably someone dressed up as a, a ghost, I'd imagine. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it used to be fun. I, I would yeah. like one of your snacks, though. Mm, yes. Um, but talking of <clears throat> Scooby-Doo, uh, <laughs> he does say to him, um, look, later on down the line, I'll, I'll perhaps clue you in a bit as, as to how I do my tricks. But for, until that time, at least allow me the privacy of my professional secret. Mm. Again, many meanings to that statement. Mm. Mm. So Columbus says, well, in that case, can I come and see your act tonight, please? He says, oh, nothing would give me greater pleasure than having you out in the crowd. The trick there would have been to say, no. Yeah, yeah, I'm afraid no, not. I, we're I, full. I, we're full and I don't like distractions and I get the impression you would be a distraction. Yeah. Magic is a very hard profession at the best of times. Mm. Please stay away. Yeah. If you want to contact me, please speak to my uh, agents. Oh, he's dead. Mm. Also, um, you're probably going to ask why we're still open when there's, someone was murdered there just yesterday. <laughs> yeah, that is a good point. Yeah. I mean, you never really think about that too much in the cut and thrust of an episode. No. But uh, yeah, you do often wonder, it's like, sh- sh- shouldn't there, I don't know, be a little time for mourning or something at the very least? Yeah, well, I was watching a, an episode of Midsummer Murders the other day where a, pop, a rock musician was murdered on stage at a rock concert. and then the concert... only gets electrocuted. Yeah, Susie Quattro. Yeah. And then the concert's still on the next day. It's fine. We were we cleaned up the, the stain on the stage where he shat himself. <laughs> He's all right. Yeah, and then they have the balls when someone goes backstage to go. You know, this is a crime scene. It's like, well, why the fuck's the concert still on? Yeah, where's where's the fucking tape? Yeah. And again, here he's doing a magic show just below where a man was shot and killed the day before. Yeah, absolutely no respect for the dead. But talking of respect for the dead, Peter Falk, who is dead, and I respect that, goes to the locksmith to ask about the lock. Mm. Uh, and then he says I'd like you to make me basically he wants him to make a set of handcuffs with that lock 
Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And he needs it ASAP. And then Wilson turns up and says, oh, I found your coat. Ah. See, I get the impression this is largely improvised as well. Yeah. Because it doesn't add anything to it. Absolutely nothing. <laughs> I think also, I think he's just gone, it'll be fun if this coat kept getting lost and it's... Yeah, hmm. and it's a, it is a nice little bit of business. Hmm. <laughs> but you do realise that, like, at this point, they were trying to reach those two-hour time slots. Yeah. So the episodes were 90 minutes rather than 70. Yeah. So they just thought, oh, just let him fucking garble with Dishy over the coat and that's fine. That will pad us out a little bit more. There should have been a bit where a man, a big man, had taken LSD by accident and thought he was a bull. And Columbo <laughs> could use his coat to do the thing. Hey! Do, that would have had to come in the Mexico episode yeah, previously. Of course. Yeah. You'd have to save it for that one. You know what? I, I really didn't like that episode. It, it, I mean, if you, if you ever get around to reading Shooting Columbo, when mm. they talk about that particular episode, you do wonder why they didn't just dump it, because they weren't happy with the script. Mm. It was expensive to make. Yeah. And the, it's also kind of a shit mystery yeah, as well. Shit, yeah. No. And <clears throat> deeply racist when you think uh, yeah, about it. Like, yeah. all the generic Mexican stereotypes come out in on that one as well. So, But then then again, I found I find Dagger of the Mind completely racist. Yeah. And that's also Against a lot of shit. Yeah, that's fucking, <laughs> yeah. fucking dreadful. Um, <clears throat> so, at Santini's show, he's doing his usual... Like, he gets his two pockets out, gets his knob out and goes, an elephant. Rubbish. Absolutely rubbish. And then he goes, for my next trick, I will need an assistant. And Columbo's like, oh, me, 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 me. Oh, me. Yeah. And then, as you say, he dazzles him with some basic card tricks like pulling cards out of his pockets. Yeah, it's not, again, it's not, I mean, he he does play it generally mm. infused and excited to be there, but these are shit. These, yeah. are, these are the things that I do when I'm trying to show off at work's dues. Yeah. You know, it's not good. But Cassidy's but this, selling them, though. It, well, that's the thing, mm. though. He, he has to because, like, it is that confidence mm. that Jack Cassidy always brings to that to those particular roles where he just sells the shit out of it completely. I didn't like the end of the act though, where he bends over and starts firing ping pong balls out of his anus. See, that's where you and me differ because <laughs> for me, that's what we call a showstopper. <laughs> Especially if with just the... that lone drum. If, yeah, if you Bob Fosse dancing in the background to it at the same time. You know, I went to see this magic show last night, and for most of the running time, it was shit. He was pulling out cards and doves, but at the end, Bob Fosse came on and danced while he fired ping pong balls out of his ass. <laughs> To a snare drum beat. It was... Wait, we've got to go back. That was the greatest show I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> I mean, next door, Copperfield made the... <laughs> made the statue of disappear, but rubbish. Yeah, but it, go on. What, if someone says to you, what do you want to see? David Copperfield making the Statue of Liberty disappear or an old drunk firing ping pong balls out of his arse? <laughs> Every time. Every time. Every time. Every Copperfield time. come out and be like, why is the house empty? <laughs> and then someone will tell him, like, right, I'm going to go watch that. He stole that act from me. It'll be like the prestige. Be like, I've gone. God, know how he did it. <laughs> He's using doubles. What are you talking about? He goes. He goes to see Elon Musk to try and figure out the secrets. <laughs> I can't figure out how he made these. Bo- how did he get twenty-two ping-pong balls into his anal cavity? He's an old man. Musk builds a machine, and then Copperfield gets in and just goes on fire, <laughs> dies. David Copperfield, who died today, trying to fire a bowling ball out of his ass in front of Elon Musk in a spaceship. <laughs> 
<laughs> and maybe weightless as well. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well that's how you can only do the bowling ball trick in space because otherwise you'd just be sitting on the stage <laughs> trying um... to force out a bowling ball. <laughs> <laughs> Due to an admin error, none of it was filmed. <laughs> no. <laughs> but but this next bit though this Mm. whole next scene Mm. might be when all is said and done my favourite Columbo scene of all time well it's kind of a halfway gotcha isn't it it is it's the halfway pop it would be on its own if it was the end of an an episode that would be an amazing gotcha Mm. because what he does is he gets the the handcuffs on and he puts them on um, on Santini and says I bet you can't crack them you know pick the lock and he does, and then he just looks at him and goes, "I knew you could do it." And it's you know, it's just beautiful because oh. the way that scene is shot is that mm. you see the balance of power shift. You mm. see how like belittled Columbo is on the stage with mm. all these daft little tricks, and how like innocent, childlike he is. Mm. Then he brings out the dare, and then like you go from the confidence of <laughs> Jack Casty going, "I know, I- I'll do this," to the realization of why he's been asked to do this, mm. and then Columbo's face—it just holds on his face yeah. that goes from kind of charming and, and giddy to like just 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 eager eager for him to escape so he can say that line and then give that little delicious little wink, wink. right at the end as well uh, and then Cassidy's face just completely drops it's so well done it's beautiful and it, it mm. kind of encompasses it's like what I say if you want to see a, a, a typical Columbo episode this is the one to you know bring people in with mm. So then, but to also restore the balance of power, when Columbo sits down, he goes, oh, and Lieutenant, I think you forgot your badge. And he pickpocketed him. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, which is just a little way of, like, saying, uh, no, um, I got the upper hand, yeah. actually, because yeah. I got your badge. I got your nose as well, Columbo. Yeah, <laughs> I've got 12 vehicles. <laughs> um, so then he does the water tank illusion, and Columbo goes backstage. And finds him in his dressing room, you know, the hidden room downstairs. Mm. And then he says, uh, I knew you'd be here. I was expecting you. I mean, I, I would say that, though. Mm. You know, if, like, you you came in right now mm. and you went, all right. And I was like, oh, I've been expecting you. <laughs> I probably haven't. No. But, you know, it mm. doesn't make me feel like you just caught me masturbating anymore. So it's all right. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I was expecting that. So <laughs> we'd have that in common. Um, it's like. Like in a, a, a danger wank for the ages. Well, I don't care if you come in or not. I'm going to do me. <laughs> you do you, babe. You know what I mean. <laughs> and I do. <laughs> um, so he comes. He comes down, and, and then he sees the trap door and the ladder, and he's like, "Ah, oh, so this is how it's done." Mm. And he says, "Yeah." And he goes, "I wait in here," and then he, as he he, he says, "Oh, um, so I definitely didn't do it, by the way." And he goes, "Oh, and by the way, you can have my brandy because I have this brandy every evening." And in fact, oh, did I not tell you that, Columbo? Yeah, I didn't mention it, did I? No. Mm. Oh, mm. and that's again another reason why I like this script so much is mm. because like a good magic trick fills out the trick with a lot of detail mm. to make it feel like there are constraints around the, the feet you're about to see. So when he says, oh, I, I would have had to have walked through 100 people and I would have been yeah, seen and yeah. I was speaking to that guy and there's no way I could have escaped and blah, blah, blah. Mm. It, it, it's like when a magician says, I, there, there are no traps below me there are no mirrors and it's like they're telling you all these things mm. that they're not that is pointless extraneous information to the relatively simple illusion you're about to see yeah yeah so clumber goes and finds the waiter in the kitchen a very busy kitchen i should add very busy kitchen mm. and says mm. did you deliver it he goes yeah i did deliver it there was also movement in the room which we saw earlier was him it's like a lava lamp with a spinning thing on it to make it look like there's movement 
Yeah, I don't know if I completely buy that, but no. it's a nice affectation all the same. Mm. So I would just be thinking, why is there a raging inferno happening in that <laughs> office based on the, that lava lamp? Yeah, he's probably practicing his ping pong act again. Ping pong? Oh, yeah. Ping pong. <laughs> ping pong. That's the guy who delivers the balls. <laughs> oh, um, ping pong's here again. Yeah, he's got a little transit van full of balls. And it's like that Sony Colour TV advert where they yes. just bounce all down the street. I was going to say, he opens the back doors and they just all flow out. It's like, I must put them in boxes. Um, <clears throat> yeah, he says, not only was he in there, but we did, he did his mind trick on me. So I, I, I definitely spoke to him. And um, yeah, and he, 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 I, he guessed the right number. Mm. And it's a nicer scene there as well, again, because you see the frustration in Columbo's face because mm. he knows he knows Jack did it mm. and he knows how easy he did it, but he just can't find the, the connective tissue between where he was and where the murder happened. Yeah. And this throws that all off. And you see the frustration in his face. Mm. It's nice. It's brilliant. So then he speaks to Robert Loggia, dear yeah. old Robert Loggia, um, <clears throat> who's, who was Jerome's business partner. Uh, he's, he's sort of running this very hectic kitchen we talked about. And he mm. says, would you, you know, would you recognize someone in this kitchen? And he's like, if my own mother came here and kissed me, I wouldn't recognize her. So he only recognizes mum if he kisses him. Yeah, it's a bit weird line, that. So like, I don't know who this woman is, but until I get a Frenchie off her, I can't tell if she's my mum or not. I wouldn't recognize my mother if she jerked me off into the salad. <laughs> I think I would. I think that'd be a harrowing experience. <laughs> Columbo should then go out and just say, uh, nobody, nobody have the salad tonight. No one, especially don't have the Caesar salad. <laughs> you don't want to go near that at all. Because he, he usually jerks off when he's Caesar. Um, <laughs> just that, oh, yeah, the day that me and my mum ruined it for everyone at Pizza Hut <laughs> with the salad bar. He <laughs> <laughs> needed more than a sneeze guard that day, I tell you. Oh. Um, <clears throat> so, yeah, so then so then Columbo's like, oh, that's interesting. So you wouldn't have seen him if he had come through the kitchen. So then he then goes to see he goes to the magic shop, which is run by the cre- creepy goblin man from Rocky. Yeah, oh, I, I mean, is is I? Th- he was in Rocky. Yeah, I think he was. Yeah, uh, when Apollo's picking who he's going to fight, and he just randomly picks Rocky. I think oh, I might be wrong, but I think this I guy mean, was I, like his manager or something. He's just a, he's an unsettling, unsettling. Oh, is it? something to do with magic shops where every it's like, it reminded me of the guy from League of Gentlemen you know yeah. put your hand in yeah. it's like that joke shop it's put like, your hand in <laughs> <laughs> which again mm. I know you mentioned this last time on the episode but like I would like to see a Columbo set in Royston Vasey yeah that'd be, that'd be so perfect wouldn't it yeah um, she doesn't you know love me Columbo Mau Mau um it was death by mau mau the irony (laughs) um so he he shows him the carrot chopping trick and he says you know put your hand in there put your hand in put your hand in yeah and um yeah that's exciting but as you say basic basic magic and then he says well i've got this problem is that i heard someone talking uh you know there's so how could someone talk from one room but be in another and he's like well yeah you just use a microphone and a speaker yeah, simple. It's called the Robert Culp technique when it's when you're actually using a tape recording, but it sounds, to everyone else it sounds like real speaking. Yeah, there is a problem, isn't it, when you get mm. to like whatever this is, five six seasons into mm. Columbo, and it's like, have we done that? Yeah. Also, have we done that? Yeah. He'd be like in 1975. He'd be like, 
oh, it would be shit. It was yeah. like, yeah, I spoke to Sansini, but he sounded like he was hiding in a tiny coffee tin at the back of the room. <laughs> he sounded like, you know that bit in Ghostbusters on the spectrum when you get slimed? He sounded like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he sounded like that. It, yeah. is, it is that one. <clears throat> this is the thing, though, isn't it? Part of the charm of these these club episodes because of the time period is that yes you could update them you could make it smartphones or you know speakers and bluetooth speakers or whatever mm. but it would lose a lot of its charm yeah because i think we forget listen, watching back to these episodes that when you see like them using cctv or even a video recorded in 1976 mm. that's mind-blowing yeah. that's out of the reach of anyone watching yeah. these shows that's why these people he's up against are all mega rich and fortunate. They have the access to all these gadgets and toys and just you know just things that we take for granted now. Yeah. Well, he says to him, "Well, that's that's an old trick." That is. He goes, "What do you mean?" And he goes, "It's a gaff in the head act." Mm, yeah. Yeah. Which sounds like a Beastie Boys song. <laughs> uh, he says it's a mind reading stunt where you get two people, usually abroad. Mm, yeah. Uh, who would play the gaff? And they'd they'd give him the information on stage. So there's a very famous, uh, I think they were a British couple, hmm. man and woman who did that trick. And for years, no one knew how they did it. I mean, there were theories and things, but it, it was such a polished act that hmm. the, 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 the act was uncopyable for the longest time. So yeah, that whole part of magic was always like huge there. That I mean, there's a book called Hiding the Elephants, which hmm. is all about the, how magic changed in the late 1800s to what we've got today. That went from like cup and balls to like elaborate <laughs> levitation and knives and you know chopping people. In half. Did you say cupping balls? Cupping <laughs> balls trick, yeah, the oldest trick in the book where you, you stand between two men and cup their balls yeah. and then you make the <laughs> testicles swap. <laughs> now, if you look, the 18 year old rugby player has now the dangly balls of the man on my left, who is the 70 year old octogenarian uh, librarian <laughs> who now has the tightest balls on earth. Oh my God, that's amazing be a great trick that would be really good yeah, yeah. and now i turn them back wow <laughs> <laughs> <Ta-da>! <laughs> meanwhile <laughs> is this still the balls or is this ping pong balls <laughs> it's a ball based act at this point right. it really is and now I'm going to fire the testicles out of my ass. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Of course, in those days, they used to chop off people's testicles and stuff them up his ass. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. You couldn't do uh, they used to keep them in the false bottom. Mm. Mm. <laughs> um, <clears throat> so then Columbo goes to see Michael Lally. Lally. Yeah, who's living in a flat with the door wide open. It's tragic. While this sitting scene. in bed. It's horrible. Yeah, but it's beautiful because Mike Lally had been in like a fair few episodes, was a big fr- f- um, friend of Columbo. And apparently he was just meant to be an extra mm. in this episode. He didn't have anything at all other than just sit at a bar. And then I think like folk improvised a line saying, Lally, it's, it's why he's called in the episode yeah. Mike Lally. It's mm. his real name. Yeah. And he goes, Mike, well, I don't do the game anymore, blah, blah, blah. And then they went, oh, let's turn this into a scene. So like they just wrote that scene for Mike Lally to do. Mm. That's a great scene because he, yeah. he knows everything. He's basically Wikipedia. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's plot Wikipedia, isn't he, for yeah. the sake of this? But what I really love about it is that even though there's a lot of exposition to get out, what makes the scene is that Columbo is, is, 
is doing his best to try and convince the old man he isn't in a desperate, sad situation yeah. by going, hey, you get maid service here? And mm. wow, what a place. And it's like, you kind of know he's being disingenuous, but you know he's doing it for like really compassionate reasons. At least you've got a shower up on the third floor that everyone uses. <laughs> yeah. Is the hot plate yours? TV yours? That's good. good. Yeah. You've already fallen on your feet here. Yeah, it's it's tragic, but you see, it's like he his heart's in the right place in that moment. He sort of looks like Grandpa Joe from Willy Wonka. <laughs> I, I, you know what? Weirdly, I was thinking of like Buster Merrifield from Only Fools. Mm. I don't know why, or you know, Granddad from Only Fools. Yeah. <laughs> or, or the old man from Bread. Yeah. Where's me dinner? I have a <laughs> Yeah. Uh, that's the first. I've got to do my Granddad impression. I enjoy doing that. Um, it's a great impression. Thank you very much. Um, so then he says, well, basically, when I met Santini, he wasn't called that. He had a British uh, British name. And uh, when I first met him, actually, he had a German accent or Hungarian <laughs> or something yeah. like that. But I never knew could... his real name. No, but also it's like, he doesn't they, don't they pick the most British name? Like his name's Kensington Smythe or something, something like, like that. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But he says, I could Which be sure. Which is strange because a British guy wrote this. He thought he would have called him like Matthew Corbett or something. Yeah. I don't know, just something a bit different. Or um, Martin Daniels. <laughs> <laughs> the, the Obviously the best magician. That yeah, would be hipsters, yeah. wouldn't it? Oh, yeah. I mean, everybody liked Paul Daniels. But of course, Martin was the better magician. Yeah. But that apple fell far from the tree, yeah. I think, in, in real life. It fell from the tree and landed as a very small grape. <laughs> And then got sat on. By a big pig. By Wizbit while he was drunk. <laughs> that big bog monster in Wizbit. That's what it was. Who was inside Wizbit, by the way? I don't mean sexually. I mean, I Chris don't Rabbit. know. I mean, I'd like to think it was the same guy who was inside Blobby and his whole career was being inside annoying things on TV. Yeah. yeah. You mean like Richard Madeley? Oh. Yeah. Sorry. Um, <laughs> so then. Wait, what, are you suggesting that Richard Madeley is an elaborate Mr. Blobby type creation? No, I just mean he's been inside an annoying thing on telly. Oh, right. Okay. In that case, yeah, fine. Yeah. But he could be. I mean, he, he did dress up as Ali G once. Yeah, because, you know, we all like to remember that. Everyone loves that. Our anuses retracting. <laughs> so then, Colombo, Santini's having dinner with a, with a fancy lady who it seems like he's trying to ask to be his new assistant. Yeah. Or sleep with her, one of the two. Because for a moment I thought he was with his daughter, mm. but then you go, oh no, that's not the daughter, but she's young enough to be yeah. his daughter. I think he's just trying to say, I, I, it would be great if you'd be my assistant if you took your bra off. <laughs> yeah. Now. He went to the Steven, uh, Steven Seagal school of yeah. uh, tempiring. Yeah. Uh, so then Columbo interrupts the dinner and says, oh, I was just speaking to Lally, you know him, don't you? And he's like, oh, of course I know Lally. And he's like, well, he tells me all these things, and he's that you had a different accent, and then Cassidy just brilliantly goes, "Zoom in this one." <laughs> oh, do you yeah. mean? And he goes, "Oh, do you mean this one? Look at her lovely bird." See, he should have done more. He should mm. go, "Do you, Brucey?" Mm. Uh, good game, Colombo. Uh, nice to kill you to kill you. Nice. Uh, you get nothing uh, for a pair of balls of this game. <laughs> and I and I do a wonderful Leonard Rossiter. <laughs> <laughs> go on then. Uh, Miss Jones, oh, which is my Brucey, Brucey but a little different. Yeah, yeah, I love that bit though. It's so funny. And then um, Santini goes, "Well, you know, I have I had lots of names through the years." And he goes, "Oh, he said you had this British name. It was like Kensington or something." He goes, "Actually, it was Washington." Yeah, and he said, yeah. "What's the first name?" And he goes, "Martha." I mean, uh, 
Yeah, a little bit of fun, but I mean, mm. I, I presume it's just layer upon layer of him just being, you know, obstinate <laughs> and just being rude. He's just taking the piss, yeah. <laughs> he is just taking the piss, because I'm off to fuck her. Yeah. <laughs> you can mull over what my name is, I don't give two shits. He's going to be like, show me your bra. Um, <laughs> so then Columbo goes back to see Wilson at the HQ and and he does the mind trick on Wilson which is which feels cruel because Wilson seems a bit stupid a little bit but yeah. that's one of those tricks where you only feel stupid once you know how it's done if yeah. he didn't tell him how it was done he would have been like oh Columbo's a real magic person mm, now you gotta shuck my dick Wilson <laughs> you picked up number four no, he, he he shows him how it's done. He said, if you'd have said number one, I'd have asked you to pick this up too, etc., etc. It's a great trick. Uh, $17 it cost him. $17, which in those Seven, days was a lot. It would have been about, what, $60? Maybe something like that. I don't know. I mean, you wouldn't lot. pay $17 for that now. No, but that's, I mean, they try to. Mm. They still try to in magic shops because mm. they don't realise that half the tricks you can just learn that way come in. You know, that Marvin's Magic kit that is popular around Christmas is then up in charity shops a week or two later, untouched. Um, Do you think magic shops but, still exist? Yeah, they have. A, I mean, I, there's there's the one in, oh, where is it? It's near um, Farringdon Station. There's a magic shop just there, hmm. which has been going for years. And then there used to be one near Charing Cross, you know, the underground supermarket area. Yeah. Uh, they had a, I think it was called Davenport's. Hmm. And that was like the longest... Um, that, existing magic shop in London until it closed down during uh, the lockdown, I believe. I think it's when they, yeah. they realised that no one gives a shit about magic. <laughs> Maybe. Mm. I mean, it might have been there for show, you know, at that mm. point it becomes an industry shop. But yeah, no, they still have magic shops and I believe that one in um, Farringdon still exists. Mm. Or is it an illusion? Well, if it is, I spent an imaginary £100 <laughs> on a magic trick there once. You spent 100 quid on a magic trick? On, on a couple of them. I, I, I like magic. I'm not mm. very good at it, mm-hmm. uh, but I like the mechanics of it. So I bought a load of coin tricks and it came to about 100 quid once. Oh, my God. You sure we that wasn't just it. your change? No, it was just... It, God, that would have been... <laughs> I actually bought one trick for like £5, but he gave me the whole... He gave me my change in 10 pence pieces, which explains a lot now, actually. <laughs> <laughs> These ten pence pieces were touched by the hand of Houdini. Oh, Houdini's ten pence piece. You ever seen last? Sounds like a euphemism. <laughs> when he, be- he bent over, I saw his ten pence piece. It's like it's like that film, Last Action Hero, where they have the the, the ticket that's magic, and he's like, "Oh, it was yeah. Houdini's ticket." It doesn't mean it was magic just because no. he, he bought a ticket. You mean they couldn't have said Merlin's ticket, exactly. which would have been a bit more yeah. on point? But no, apparently Houdini liked to make elephants disappear escape from straitjackets and magically jump in and out of cinema screens like the fucking goodies. <laughs> that was the review on his show when he did that. Just like the fucking goodies. Mm. The Last Action Hero is a remake of the goodies at the movies episode. It is. It is. Yeah, it is. yeah but it's not as good. It's not as good at no. all. I fucking love the goodies. Yeah. Goodies pod. Right, put that yeah. down for yeah. 2026. All right. Next, next, next uh, pandemic. Yeah. After next, um, so then back at the office, they're about to, they're about to leave where they notice a, a sweaty fella and start shaming him. Look, look at this in public. Look at this sweaty fuck, Wilson. Look at this fat ass. Look at this big fat fucking ass. <laughs> he starts kicking it. Look at it wobble. <laughs> and then he notices. How did you get that sweat on your back? And he's like, I was sitting in a high back chair. And he's like, Ah. Oh, I got it. It's all coming together. Yeah, so they go back to the office. 
and they're looking for chairs that he could have been sitting in. They're trying them out, and then the only one that makes sense is the one at the desk. It's also when you realise that offices are way too many chairs just to prove its point. Yeah, <laughs> you know, it's like it's like seven chairs in that office, all at different angles. They're all burrito chairs. <laughs> I like to have a burrito while I sit in this chair. What about this one? Yes, also that one. Yeah, but that one's good because I get to see the sunset over L.A. Mm, while I eat a burrito, three burritos. Um, and they're just about to have a look more when Santini comes in and goes, yeah, Lieutenant, I must, as they always do in these, Lieutenant, I must object. You're snooping around. It's like, mate, I'm not snooping. I'm a policeman and there was a murder here. It's not, <laughs> it's not snooping. I'm not looking at you with your bra on. I have a legal right to be here. <laughs> so, There's an unsolved murder literally happened two days ago. I'm fucking snooping. You think I'm fucking doing it? I'm good at my health. <laughs> And he's like, um, oh, well, so how's it going? And he's like, oh, well, we've got everything, sir, apart from the motive. And then he says, oh, have you got the suspect? He goes, yes, I believe I have. And then he basically says, it's you. Oh, the line is great. Oh. He goes, you don't have a motive? And he goes, we don't have a motive for you. Oh, and it. he literally directs it that way, which mm. is brilliant, because it's one of those moments where it's like Columba goes, right, game's over now. I've yeah. lost all fucks. Mm-hmm. We're just going to take you down. Yeah. And I'm going to be obvious about it. Yeah. And then he says, well, in that case, detective, I love this. Um, Santini goes I promise you I will not and then he steps back and does the jazz hands disappear before your very <laughs> eyes before you arrest me and yeah. then leaves but he seems Although, to really enjoy the fact that he's a suspect he does now yeah because mm. I still think there's a part of him that wants to be caught mm. I think there's a part of him that is like enjoying the game more than yeah. anything else like Peter Sutcliffe in 1980 yeah but mm. he didn't go <laughs> jazz hands you'll never see me <laughs> He went for a piss, sort of similar. Yeah, true, true. Yeah, Mm. take your eye off the ball for one minute. Yeah, all the balls. Um, So then, (laughs) then he goes. They go back to the desk, and he's like, "Ah, he could. He was probably typing, but there's no paper in the typewriter." Uh, And then he goes, "Oh, what's this golf ball thing?" And then Wilson goes, "Well, luckily for you, Mm. Colombo, I'm really good at typing, and I know what it is. It's a golf ball thing, and and this is a carbon ribbon." Oh, on a cartridge, yeah. Yeah. See, this is my theory about how to make or write a really good um, murder for Columbo. Mm. In that, I think to make it work, the audience sees the murder play out and they think they've seen everything. Mm. But they're actually visibly seeing a clue that they ignore, Mm. right? And in this case, it's the typewriter, Mm -hmm. okay? So when you get to the reveal, what Columbo does is show the murderer and the audience that clue they saw and didn't realise was the big clincher. Yes. It's the same for, like, the the bite of cheese in Mm. that episode with the McGowan. You know, it's one of the... It's the bit where he touches the paintings in... um, suitable for framing and yes. then for the big finale there the big gotcha there mm. I think that's the secret you've got to show the audience something that they see but they don't realise is the clue and then Columbo goes oh that's the clue and that I think keeps the mystery of that show going now is the time for all good men to come to the aid of the party yes yeah that's what he types and Black um, Lace's greatest lyric yeah that's right yeah you're having a gangbang yeah. we're having a ball <laughs> we're having a gangbang against the wall um, oh, so basically dear. everything that's been typed in that machine you can go back in the ribbon and see it mm. as you say a hidden clue so later that night Columbo and Wilson stage a sort of a sting sort of because yeah. um, they, um, Santini gets into the club and Loggia says to him they want to, they want to speak to you upstairs 
And he's like, well, why? And he goes, oh, I think they've identified a suspect. So he goes up and he can hear Columbo and Wilson talking about Santini did it. He's a secret Nazi, etc. When et we get him, we're going to flush his head down the toilet yeah. and pull his pants down. Yeah, <laughs> I know. We're he gonna... did that ping pong trick. <laughs> yeah. He's got one of those tennis firing machines up his, up his yeah, ass. Yeah. Actually, they're tiny little ball bearings mm. from like the inside of a beanbag. Mm. And when they pass his... Uh, arse cavity the the liquid that makes them expand to ping pong ball size oh. hence why you can fit 107 ping pong balls up his anus That's actually very the case is closed yeah oh, what, what about the murder oh, I forgot oh. About that. oh i forgot about that i was just i just i didn't know how he did the ping pong i've, I've just been you've been concentrating on that oh I fucking ruined it yeah i asked my wife but she just sent a message back in for Rengi. <laughs> uh, so then Santini goes downstairs a policeman's there and he's like oh so he goes to go backstage and then Columbus like I wouldn't run away sir I like that Santini actually was thinking I'm going to run away yeah, yeah. I, again I kind of I would say out of all of Jack Cassidy's villains mm. this is the one that you probably have some sense of kind of Jack Cavity Jack Cavity <laughs> <laughs> It's the first episode, I think, where you kind of feel sorry for him a little bit. It's like you... Because what they don't show you in this last scene is his daughter. Mm. And it would be... I think in the um, Columbo file book, um, they talk about how it would have been interesting to have his daughter there to see her... The truth of his of her dad come out and blah, 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 blah. But then I would argue, yes, narratively, dramatically, that's good. But it kind of takes away some of the fun of oh, that gotcha And it is end. fun. So he go, yeah. they come out of the curtain and they're like, by the way, we had a microphone up there just like you did that night. Mm. And this is the letter we found on the carbon. And he shows it to him and Cassidy's like, oh, interesting. And then burns it. <laughs> He's like, good luck proving anything now without this letter. And I'd go, yeah, well, I've just shown you the carbon. It's all on there. So it doesn't really matter <laughs> yeah. about the letter. But anyway, it turns out, because this is a magic-themed episode, Columbo pulls out another letter in a very sort of... I like the way he did. He does it with a sort of sleight of hand. Yeah, he looks at the table, doesn't he? To kind of mm. like, as if he's pointing to something there and then just pulls that out of his back pocket from behind. Mm. And it's like, I, I love that he thinks that's good. Yeah. <laughs> like he, well, for he's some, seen this bloke's like, act. It's probably on par, isn't it? Yeah, but it's like mm. like a five-year-old watching, like trying to copy Paul Daniels do one of his tricks at that mm. point. Mm. It's adorable. And then he pulls out another one and Wilson's got one. They've all uh, got one. They've all got one. And then... Um, Cassidy's like, and he goes, do I need to go on? And he goes, no. And I thought I'd performed the perfect murder. And he says, perfect murder, sir? Oh, I'm sorry, there's no such thing. It's just an illusion. Just an illusion. Wonderful. It's just, it's beautiful. It's, it's again, mm. it's like there are better written episodes, better acted episodes, you mm. could argue. But this one to me is just the most delightful. Mm. Columbo episode. It's just the it's it's the perfect entry point, I think. Mm. No, it's perfect. Which is considering because at this point in the series, it was all over the place tonally and you know and, and quality wise as well. Oh, yes. So this is like a high benchmark for this season. It's like season five, isn't it? I think it's five or mm. six. Yeah, and it's mostly got all the troubling episodes, like the one uh, set at the is it like some kind of Iranian <laughs> or yeah. Saudi Arabian type country? Yeah, it's got the it's got the bloody one trip to Mexico mm. but it does have Forgotten Lady which is probably the saddest episode yeah, of Columbo very tragic uh, it's, it's, yeah. it's an interesting mix but this one is like just classic absolute classic absolutely um, there you go there you go that's now you see him 
now you see him, and sadly now we don't. No, now now we're going to have to go. Oh, Paul, just one more thing. Oh, I was just about to go oh. and kill someone. <laughs> I've, got, I've got to put it back. My wife just loves television. What's your fave and least fave Columbo episodes? So, I th- I mean, hopefully I'll get to talk about this on a later episode, mm. but my favourite episode is A Friend Indeed. Mm. I think it's just because I love the stakes of it. I like the fact that it's got one of my favourite gotchas, yeah. and it's one of the few episodes that runs long but doesn't feel it and needs the space because there's quite a lot going on. Yeah. It's got its problems, but I, I genuinely love that episode. I think it's thrilling and, and exciting to see Clubber go up against basically his boss. Mm. No, it's fantastic. And, and mm. we'll, we'll, we'll do that one. That's definitely yours. Yeah, I've so spat on that one. You did. <laughs> what's, what's your least favourite? Oh, I can, there's so many. Mm. A, a lot of people will say, you know, last call for the Commodore, mm. whatever it's called. Mm. And that is awful. Mm. But I genuinely think maybe my least favourite is that George Went one. Mm. The one that has Rob Steiger as the, as the mafia. Or, I mean, famously Murder in Malibu, which is just hot shit garbage from top to bottom. <laughs> But, but unfortunately, at that point in the show, you have way too many to choose from. So it's all about whether or not you prefer the plot over the actor or the actor over the plot to mm. whatever gets you by. But I think I think it's Strange Bedfellows with George Wentz, which actually made me angry when I watched it. Because <laughs> it was just garbage. And it, you know, it has Columbo team up with the Mafia at the end to bring down Norm from fucking Cheers. <laughs> it's like, just saying that out loud makes my piss boil. <laughs> Well, brilliant. Well, that's brilliantly answered, and I think we can put a close to the episode there. Huzzah! Oh, just one more thing. Then it's a second thing. Yeah. Well, yeah. Another thing. My wife's uncle is a big fan of modern television. If Columbo <laughs> was on now, what would be your plot? Who would be your celebrity murderer? And what's the episode's title? You see, um... See, I have an idea. I, I haven't quite figured out who the celebrity would be. It might be someone young and important that I don't know of yet because mm. I'm not in the zeitgeist. But I thought, wouldn't it be good to have a murder like during a Twitch stream? So the person who does it is like a big influencer on YouTube or Twitch, mm. right? And they do a murder where they're live streaming. But actually, oh no, they've put a TV monitor in front of the webcam, which plays out the action as if it's live. Ah, like and in speed. They, and they, yeah. Yeah, kind of like that, where the thing's on a loop and stuff at the end. But like, so they think they're watching a live stream, but the murderer is doing something while checking the chat on their mobile phone elsewhere and keeping things like it's still going, right? And they do the murder and come back. And I'd call it like Death's Twitch or uh, uh, Live Stream or Dead Stream, something like that. But maybe, I don't know. I don't know who you'd cast in it, PewDiePie or fucking someone. I don't know. (laughs) It would have to be a PewDiePie-type character, though. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. In terms of who who the murderer would be. So it would have to be someone young. I'd cast my... I'll tell you what. I'd cast Ethan Lawrence, my mate, who does all those fucking sitcoms and stuff. He Mm. needs the work. All right. Lovely. (laughs) Brilliant. Well, in that case, I can call a close to this magic uh, show-themed episode. Yes, and yeah. next time, remind me to tell you all about the books and the board games and the jigsaw puzzles of Columbo that I've got, mm. the cookbook. We'll have to have a chat about that. We'll have a chat Because I'm lonely, John. Oh, oh I know. <laughs> I'm lonely. I know, but we'll, 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 everything will get better, don't worry. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it won't, though. No, it won't. It won't. It'll just I'll just get old and then die with a legacy of smut behind me in the form of 700 hours of dirty podcasts. Uh, That's just all I've got. Yeah, it's all you've got. But you do check out Cheap Show if you haven't already. It's very good. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, it's not, but we get away with fucking murder. Yeah, yeah. well, I enjoy it anyway. Uh, <laughs> thank Paul, you. thank you very much. Thank you. Cheers. Bye. Ta-ta.
I don't want you to take this wrong, sir, but I have to account for everybody's whereabouts. At the time of the crime, you said you were performing the water tank trick. That's right. Now, when the cube is in the water tank, you're not really in that cube, right? You're not really in that cube, right? Where was I last night? Was I here? Or was I there? Where was I last night? Jesse Jerome. Got it. Where was I last night? Was I here? Was I there? Where was I last night? I am ready. I don't know where the hell you are. I guess you have to have dexterous hands. Where was I was last night? My ears, they were too small. Where was I was last night? Well, you're absolutely right. Where was I was last night? Large hands, more fast. Large hands, more fast. Where was I last night? Was I here? Was I there? Where was I last night? Jesse Jerome. Got it. Where was I last night? Was I here? Was I there? Where was I last night? I am ready. I don't know where now you are. I don't know where now you are. Dear friend, I'd rather confess to a murder than to do that. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.